Hey everybody, welcome to Applying to Everything, a show about our passions, the world, and where they overlap. I'm your host, Bruno Falcon. This week's episode is the second half of my conversation with Bonnie King Taylor, a life coach, counselor, and professional superhero trainer. We talked about Star Wars, self-awareness, and being your own superhero. Enjoy. The, the line that I think people um, sometimes really struggle with, what does it mean to be introspective? Right. Right? And because we live in this very binary culture where everything is good or bad, except when... Except when, when it's not. Except when it's not. Yeah. And, and when people don't want you to know that it's, you know, simpler than you think it is. Right. Um, you know, we come to this thing of, well, if I am... If I'm thinking about it, like when people come to me either as a therapist or a coach, and they're in that place of... I don't want to have. I don't want to have to think about all of these negative things. I'm always advising people. You know, you have the opportunity to view both your history and your internal life like a detective. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, isn't this interesting? Let's see how these things are connected. Versus what happened just there, right in front of us, is you thinking, oh, you know, I don't. I don't want to be a bad person because I'm thinking about how much I might enjoy this or how much I might, you know, benefit from it. If it benefits other people, by definition, it's going to benefit you. And how is that a good or bad thing? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's the, so it's, yeah, it's the, it's, I think, I think that it comes down to the distinction between, uh, self-reflection and self-criticism like it's right, a, but that, yes right. thank you yeah most people because because most people when they think about when they think about self-reflection it's a very critical i know it's a very critical process and i'll tell you what that's just bad training yeah well i mean yeah because it's a you know it's a whole idea it's also from a from a sociological perspective i think that that's a really useful way to control like it's it's, it's extremely 100%. It's that's extremely what we're taught helpful to yes. you know because if because if you don't that it's a really effective means of control if uh, introspection is inherently critical. People 100%. don't want to be criticized, least of all by themselves. Right. And so, if you tell people, "Don't look in, look out," you know, because if you're gonna look mm-hmm. in, you're gonna, you're like, if if it's always gonna be, if when you look inside, it's always Jane and Marsha, then right, feel better about it and just watch the Brady Bunch. Um, right, it's, 100%. It's, it, yeah, and and that's really a really effective set of tools if you're trying to sell people stuff or if right. you're trying to keep them distracted. It's not particularly helpful if you're trying to raise an enlightened and healthy populace. Right. The motivation for almost every message we hear is either buy or comply. And buying is often complying with a mindset and complying is often buying an idea, yeah. you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you on this. And I, th- I think that that then is the call for, you know, people using the superhero metaphor in their own lives to recognize that that external locus of control, it, it has been purposeful ever since humans collectivized. Right. That, that mindset has been purposeful. And back when we were all like, you know, agrarian folk who got together to think, okay, if we collectivize our resources, we're going to survive better, which, right. hey. Worked out. Pro tip, worked out, you know, but we don't live in that construct anymore but we're, I, that's not true. We totally live in that construct because it has been imposed externally. Right. And so I'm saying that when you are being super heroic, it has to start with you. 
it has to start with your internal process. And when you look at um, self-reflection versus self-criticism, a hundred percent of the time, and it, I always, I have so much fun with people when they challenge me on this, a hundred percent of the time, that self-criticism is someone else's voice. Yeah. It's bad training. There are very often good reasons for it, according to the people who are are teaching you those things. Mm -hmm. I mean, clearly, you know, when people say look both ways when you cross the street, dude, that's a good plan. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. There's a reason to have that mindset. But when it comes from a place of you don't have good enough judgment to cross the street without getting hit by the metaphoric bus, then that's, that's a whole different kettle of fish. Yeah. And so it's about, I strive for essential neutral Mm -hmm. when it comes to that internal interpretation you know when we're doing self-reflection if you can look at the stuff that you feel hypercritical about as neither good nor bad but having some sort of purpose because the biological truth is we don't do anything that doesn't have a reason right you know there's a purpose for everything and so then when you decide okay this purpose up until now probably worked for some reason Mm -hmm. But then as an adult who is making some decisions about how I'm going to move forward in a superheroic way, then you get to say, okay, this part works and this part doesn't. You were talking about anger earlier. I was at one point in my life for very legitimate reasons, honestly, the angriest person you could ever meet, incandescent all the time. The fact that I survived it is is kind of miraculous. But, you know, I finally came to a place of like, wow, you know, what's this really doing for me? <laughs> and like I said, legitimate reasons, but but those reasons weren't extant anymore. Right. You know, I was living in a, a totally different place. So then I looked at, okay, how am I going to make some choices about what to do with this? And it was not, by the way, I'm suddenly going to become Zen. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier about stuff not happening. <laughs> yeah, totally never happening for me as a human being. I get that. I'm not even aspiring to that. But I was able to get to a place of saying, just like we're talking about the Ruffalo interpretation of the Hulk, which, by the way, I realize now is totally apt for my life. But to say, okay, this is how I'm going to use this. And it's hugely constructive in some ways. And in the ways that it's not, I get to take personal responsibility. Right. You know, and and that is, the I think, the key element of being a superhero in your everyday life. Far and above any sort of origin stories and, you know, what are my superpowers and how I'm going to use them right now. It's how am I going to integrate everything that is of value about me and my history such that as I move forward, I have satisfaction of knowing myself. Right. I mean, that that's it. And then everything else is is open to choice making, right? Then you can decide this particular superpower. Like for me, in consumer situations, I never lose. Mm-hmm. Partly because I'm smart and partly because I'm super angry. <laughs> so I'm just, you know, I'm going to be persistent. And she persisted. That's right. totally me. I got to get that t-shirt. Um, but, but when I get really like, ruminating and and i'm having arguments in my head about other people i have to take responsibility for that right that's me entertaining myself that's not me being constructive yeah going back to the multi-dimensional superhero which is i mean which is uh, sort of the value of you know stepping out of stepping out of the 
you know, I am this thing and therefore I am this thing and therefore I am this thing. And, right. You know, the public perception, you know, stepping out of the public perception of what it is to be, yeah. you know, to be Superman and behind the curtain a little bit into what it what it is to be Clark Kent Superman, what it is to be Kal-El pretending to be Clark Kent pretending to be Superman. Right. Like once you, once you like the, the advantage of going behind that is that you see their integrative process. You see mm-hmm. that it's messy. You see that it's complicated you see that it takes baggage and one of the cool things about the modern interpretation of that process is that the scene before the big fight is always their realization that they can let something go and integrate the valuable part like which is really cool like which is why i'm really excited about the new star wars to the point that i have been avoiding the trailer because i cannot wait like, I cannot wait to see either, like, how deep in a hole Luke is right, right now. Right, And therefore, how much of a turn we're going to get mm-hmm. at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Or how much, like, how much Ray is going to evolve. Right. Like, I, it's, I hate to ask for more Star Wars movies. because I, Because, you know, there comes a point where too much of a good thing takes away yeah. some of the special. But Agreed. Um, I want, like, if Luke is the really badass Jedi that I think he's going to be, I really want to see the process of him getting there. Like, I want to see, I, I want, I like, I want the animated series where Mark Hamill just gives us like, you know, um, uh, the animated <laughs> miniseries, like the 13, the 13 episode story of Luke from uh, Return to uh, Force Awakens. And, yeah. and just sort of like, it just, I, not just because I could listen to Mark Hamill forever um (laughs) doing literally anything but but because because it's like that that process and i think that's why that's why at least for me people that's why people like me are so fascinated with superheroes because it's like it it's kind of like watching a textbook it's kind of like looking in a mirror yeah it's it's this beautiful this beautiful process of self-awareness and realization and like okay i was a little bit like okay all of these things that at one point I let weaken to me are actually the things that make me really strong and unique and capable. Um, Yeah. You just said something that I love so much. I have to go back and highlight it. You said it takes baggage. (laughs) How awesome is that? And, and isn't that true? I mean, there is no origin story without baggage. None of us, none of us, whether we're superheroes or, or we don't consider ourselves that way. None of us get through this life without, something right i totally need that t-shirt it takes baggage so and and we need to make this animated series happen because i would so like to hear that too and that that is exactly the point of being an integrated person yeah you're taking all of it every grief every loss every you know whatever you think is a failure and take the best of it and sort of stitch it into your superhero costume to move forward with. There's no throwing the baby out with the bathwater. It's no, there's no cutting parts of yourself off. That's, that's impossible. Mm-hmm. And th- this interpretation of Luke, I love so much. And, you know, I'm, I'm totally with you. Star Wars absolutely 
defined my life for, you know, who I was in the world for the longest time. Mm. We won't talk about that middle piece. I'm so grateful. <laughs> we're going to let that go. I'm so grateful for this new iteration because that's exactly what we're seeing. Yeah. You know, I saw the most recent one at the Second Run Theater and I was like, oh, you know what I love about this movie is everybody dies at the end. I know that sounds terrible, but but there was so much reality and the sacrifice that those characters were the sacrifices that those characters made was not even based on we're so heroic. Mm -hmm. It was based on this is a thing that is in front of us. How are we going to get through it? And here they are on this planet. By the way, no running away. Yeah. You couldn't run away. There's no getting out now. There's no getting out. And and that is kind of the metaphor for life. Mm. And I mean that in the best possible way. Right. So if we embrace that that's true, then as on as superheroes, then every day is our day. You know? Yeah. And one... Uh, my favorite part, my favorite part of Rogue One was... I mean, like the whole, the whole story, I, the whole story was great. I love, I love a three hour retcon (laughs) as much as the next guy, any good GM, um, knows that sometimes you got to go back and run a campaign so that the, the campaign you just ran made sense. I love that interpretation. That is so what I saw. It's it's not unique. I, I can't, I cannot take credit for that. Um, but, but we all know, we all know what we were trying to do here. Um, but my favorite my my two favorite parts my favorite part was Darth Vader who's hardly in the film at all right but the first scene the the scene in the castle on Mustafar which almost got cut it almost wasn't going to be in huh. um is phenomenal in that it shows that Vader is still Anakin mm. he makes the worst pun ever after force choking after force choking the science officer, right. he says, be careful not to choke on your ambitions. And it's just like, oh, it's yes. so good yes. because it's like, oh, wait, remember how Anakin was a really doofy kid who made really bad jokes through like the entirety of the Clone Wars? And mm-hmm. remember how like that even in the like darkest possible space, which we then get, which is my second second favorite part of the movie, like that three minute block of... The lightsaber comes on and it's like, it's a horror movie. All right. of a sudden we stepped into a horror movie. Like I got chills. I was terrified. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like Darth Vader is scary and yeah. ruthless and will just destroy anything in his way. But even inside of that character, that little kid is still there. Right. Like that little, and, and it's really important, like as, as, a, as a nerd who can justify literally any tiny detail in any film and make it the most important grain of salt that 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 you could ever find it's so important to see that see those two things together at that point because it makes sense for the next three films like it makes sense that in star wars and empire and return we see that we see that kid start to come out again mm-hmm. as he realizes he is a father, as he real like right. as he realizes all of these things about himself. And Rogue One did a better job in fifteen minutes of screen time telling that story than the entire prequel trilogy did because right. it's based it was so heavily based on like this is the psychology of this character. And 100%. This, is, this is who this character is. Yeah. I'm completely with you on that. Yeah. And, the, <laughs> <laughs> and that, yeah, I love a, a retcon too. When 
it, it does exactly that. It because, Yeah, well, I don't want to get into my personal views of those particular three films, because I mean, whatever. Like, nah, no. no. Right. It, it, <laughs> it isn't in service to the, to, you know, our topic of the day in terms of, um, but, but what you just said is, it was so delicious. I, when he said that line about don't choke on your ambition, I turned to the person that I was with and I was like, ah, because you're right. I mean, in that moment, it said everything about what was going to go wrong with this human. And so when this brings us back to when we, the difference between self analysis and self criticism, when you can look at the parts of yourself that you may or may not think are the best and you can objectively look at them as what is it that, what purpose does this serve, right? We were talking in this particular context, don't choke on your ambition. What value does ambition have? Ambition is a driving force when it is based in whatever your superhero code is versus both what we saw with Vader and what we see in the world now, which is I'm just going to do this because I can do it, right? I can force choke you, so I'm going to do it. Not for fun necessarily, but for theater. Yeah. Right? Well, but I think that I I actually, I took it a different way. What What's interesting in that moment is Vader is force choking, and I'm forgetting the character's name now. Make something up, I wouldn't the, know. The chief science officer, like, what's, right, his, right. what's his face? Um, that force choke is, like, very character. Like, it's so a part of who Vader is. Like, right. Vader's, like, I, Vader's code boils down to, I do not suffer fools. Right. I am one with the force. Mm-hmm. And and I have to and I have to save and protect the ones I love. And since there are none of them left, then the world, then the universe is a dark and empty space. I, t- you know, I totally get that. But I'm I'm going to push back on something. Sure. About that that uh, interpretation of I have to, you know, I, I don't suffer fools, and I'm one with the force. Okay. Well, if you're one with the force, there are no fools. Well, no, but I, yes, but I think that's but that's what Vader believes. Like Vader isn't living. Vader Vader believes that he is one with the force. He isn't right in that moment. Like no, he, no, he, truly. he isn't. But his belief, like his absolute certainty, mm-hmm. comes from that drive. Right, and be, and because of that belief, he doesn't. The, the one thing he fears is letting go of the anger long enough to feel right. Like the one thing that he is afraid of, so mm-hmm. he refuses to in, to indulge in fear of any other kind right he's refusing to embrace it yes because it's not that he's not feeling he's just feeling something he doesn't like right and so so he holds on to the anger for fear of having to feel that thing right um and that fear of feeling i think is is exactly where ambition and various other motivations go tragically wrong right because if you're not willing to sit with your grief you're never going to interpret or integrate it rather as i was saying earlier it's like if you can take the negative things that happen in your life and i don't mean poor can i swear yeah okay (laughs) because i this isn't actually my line it's a an author i quite like but um she'll say it's not about pouring pink paint over shit Mm -hmm. right which i'm never an advocate for i'm i'm all for cleaning up what you got right but in this context it's like you know if you're not willing to embrace the elements of yourself that you might feel are the dark side, they're going to control you right. in exactly the way that it controls Vader. Yeah. He's not one with the force. He's not integrated with his various losses. And then people will say, well, you know, it's stupid to say that you're going to be okay with 
death or with, you know, grief or whatever, because that's just not real. But it is. It's by definition real because it's life. Yeah. You know, when you push that away, when you reject it, you're basically saying, I'm not willing to fully experience my life. Right. That's where we all lose. When you look at any villainous character, and they are so black and white in that way. Mm -hmm. I mean, the only, I don't know why, but the, the Jack Nicholson interpretation of the Joker is, you know, rushing forcefully into my mind as an exception to the rule. Because he was totally embracing his craziness yeah right and well and i think the heath ledger like the, the the heath ledger interpretation too is just like it's chaos right like the, the the only response like the the only honest force in the world is entropy right and so i'm just gonna be that right as big and as loud and as wild as i can because right. if i'm not doing that i'm not being honest and right and for the rest of us it's about how do we manage that and yeah. how do we interpret it not how do we ensure that it never exists because it exists in nature yeah right and it, again you know look using the metaphor of the force versus the dark side you can't have one without the other right it's a matter of how you manage it like people will say well you know, if there's a loving God, why are there earthquakes? You know, why do terrible things happen? Well, I don't actually have an answer for that question, except that they do. Mm -hmm. And therefore, what do we do about it? You know, how do we manage that? How do we not allow ourselves to be undone by the things that exist in our lives? I struggle there um, in terms of in terms of putting good words to use, um, because internally for me, when I think about when I think about tragedy like that and i i used to, when i was in when i was at catholic school um i used to get into i i remember the only time i ever got into a huge like legitimate argument with a professor we were talking about evil the nature of evil it was a philosophy of god course because uh. they didn't really offer a good philosophy of religion course so i was like oh might as well um so i was in this it was a philosophy of god course and we were talking about like the problem of evil and the omnipotence of god mm -hmm. and they and and I got into a huge argument with a professor on the nature of death as being evil, like because it was so it's built on so the the the, the from a philosophical standpoint this is classic Aquinas, mm. um, evil is a privation, like evil can't actually exist, like it's not it's not something that's really physically extant, right? It's a privation of a thing. So okay. so any so any evil is a, the privation of a good. Okay. Um, you know, like harm is like an injury is the privation of a hole, you know, something Understood. when something is broken, it's, it's, it's not, when something is broken, there's a small evil there and that it's not, it's not a contiguous thing. I really value learning that. I've never heard that before. And, and they were talking about, so death, the reason from, from that, from the Thomistic school, the reason death is evil is because it's a privation of life. Mm. Which I was having none of, and I, like yeah. it's a, it's also a very specific interpretation of that Thomistic thought, um, but it's it's pretty broadly accepted, and I wasn't having it because it's like okay, cool, if we all lived forever, what would be the point of life? Like, if, like, like, agreed. and 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 how how can how can a natural process how how can a natural sy system of a, of decay which on the individual scale feels like a loss, but in terms of the ecosystem mm -hmm. is a gain. Like it's a part of the process. 100%. New life cannot come unless 
old life is lost. Like you can't like you can't grow a fo- you can't grow a forest without dead things. Right, it doesn't work. Um, and so I got to this, we got to this huge back and forth of like, how is it that that's a privation? How right. is it that that's a loss? And and I think that when people when people talk to me about the relationship between tragedy and God, it gets really tough because it's like I, you can't have it both ways. You can't. And I you know I take great comfort in something that I I fully acknowledge as a construct that I've just decided to ascribe to, but the notion of um, givens and how we really we spend a whole lot of time throwing energy at things that shouldn't be the way they are. And so fear of death, fear of that kind of, you know, and, and even the concept that death is a privation of life is sort of nonsensical to me in terms of, of giving it any sort of energy at all. And when we do focus a whole lot on that, and again, you know, bringing it back to the metaphor, when we have the villains who are all about wahaha, you know, I'm going to make sure that I live forever. Right. It's it's that same thing of like, God, why would you want to? In the, <laughs> I think it was the early 70s, if I'm not mistaken, there was a made-for-TV movie with a, an actor named Monty Markham, upon whom I had a tremendous crush, I have to be honest. It was called Death Takes a Holiday. And I think it was based on a short story, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. And so, you know, Death decides to come to Earth as this super handsome guy and ends up falling in love and it's super schmaltzy and everything. But, you know, nobody's dying. And then we see these newscasts in the background about what's happening because Death isn't doing Doing his his job. job, Right. Literally. Yeah, I don't understand that. I mean, I I get, again, that we have a lot of views about uh, what happens after this life, which then causes us to evaluate life as, you know, what it is. What it is. I mean, there, there are many, many, many different conversations about this, but in when you get right down to the bottom line, the argument that you had, although I kind of wish I'd been there because it sounds super interesting, <laughs> but but it's purposeless right? in the overall scheme of things. For sure. So then how do we manage that, the purposelessness of having that fear, in our day-to-day lives. We are, we're influenced by a lot of external sources to have different views, but, you know, how do you manage that? Personally, I mean, so for me personally, I think that the, any moment that I wish that I wasn't, like, was never going to have to face my own mortality, um, which I do on a daily basis. Uh, <laughs> right, as do we all. As do we all. Um, anytime I leave the house, it's just sort of like, okay, cool, well. Right. Um the the moments when the moments when I catch myself wishing I could live forever are the moments when I realize that I wasn't living in the moment That's during a, during yes. during a time in my day when I wish I had no pun intended amen yeah it it so it the the and I think part of that is it's really easy to get distracted especially in like this is this is old hat by now but it's really easy to get sucked in and lose. And not lose and give up hours of time to YouTube or mm-hmm. Facebook or sure. Twitter or 1010. Like, yeah. and I can, I mean, which granted you could do before technology. I'm just, I'm just like, there were oh, sure. I'm like, I'm, and as someone, and, and as someone who 
takes great joy out of walking purposely and just yeah. you know not even thinking just sort of staring off into space and or or like pulling apart leaves or whatever right like no we we've been we've been able to distract ourselves that way for forever it's, for it's forever. part of it's part of the human condition time suck is a part of the human condition and um the moments when the moments when like god i wish you know i wish i was gonna live until i'm 500 are the moments when i'm like you know I could have used that time differently in a way that would put <laughs> yeah. me somewhere else now. Yeah. And knowing that someday, like knowing as an absolute certainty to my very bones that even if I live for millennia, someday the sun's going to explode. And right. if I live through that someday, the, the heat death of the universe will come. Mm-hmm. I could have used that time a little bit better and I kind of wish I had. Right. But that that thought that that thought can, can at its best be constructive in informing how I spend my time mm-hmm. elsewhere and at minimum is a totally useless thing like it, it's it's <laughs> like it's really easy to indulge in that and then waste a few more hours daydreaming about what it would be like if I woke up like for example if I woke up tomorrow and I was 13 again with all of the knowledge I have now and could right. totally just do it all over or right. you know if I woke up tomorrow and it turns out that I'm going to live until I'm 150 right. um, and never age past 70 like that would be awesome but right. um, well that's that's what you know comic books and all of these stories do for us as humans you know they give us an outlet for that kind of musing and you know I, I think that there is tremendous value in both exemplars, you know, how am I going to manage myself? Let me get some examples externally. And, and, you know, as adults, we have the responsibility, again, to look at everything that we've learned about what it means to be us in the world and make some decisions about it. And one of the ways that you can do that is by taking on external ideas, Uh, not necessarily being controlled by them, but, you know, using them for what I like to say pretty much five times every day, take what you need and leave the rest, right? So, again, we can use those examples um, for good or we can tie ourselves up in knots about what isn't working. And you know me, you've heard me say this a million times, it it makes so much more sense to focus on what you want rather than what you don't want. So I love what you said about I could have been using that time differently. That's 100% true. So then my question would be, how can you remind yourself when you find yourself in that moment of, you know, wandering off and what what would it be like if I never aged past 70? How can you remind yourself in, in the moment that, yeah, that's an interesting thought, but this is what I want to do with where I am right this minute. Right. And how and how can how can how can I how can any of us just stay come back to the present in that moment because that's where like that's where you're going to find that answer like right. the, the answer for well what could i have done is right now mm-hmm. um and, i'm shaking my head yeah. <laughs> in total agreement with what you're saying right so but but it, i mean that as a very specific question what can you do to remind yourself of that you know what's going to help you i and it's not that i don't value the time suck i totally sure. do i mean it can be super entertaining the the point is you know, how do you make decisions about, yeah, I'm going to spend the next however long in this entertainment form mm-hmm. versus, so, wait a minute. Suddenly the time is, go- like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, right. basically coming to yourself and realizing, right. 
but my day that's exactly it's like no so okay like the like and i've never and i you know i've never had an i've never had that moment and not look back and be like you know what i really needed that and i didn't Mm. like i you know the the, i'm sorry you've never had a moment where you said you really needed it no 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 no, where where i've where i've i've I, i haven't i have not no, I have. I have not in recent memory had a moment where I've been like, oh, I wish I, I wish I had spent that time differently. And oh, then okay. and then not looked back and been like, yeah, but I really needed to just take that day. Or yeah, yeah but I really needed to just like turn off for a couple hours. Like it's yeah. it's and it, you know, it's one of those things where even though even even if even if it's not enough to if it's challenging or doesn't feel natural in that moment to say, Okay, cool. Be present now. Like, mm-hmm. be here now and mm-hmm. be okay with what happened. Mm-hmm. It's often easier to look back and be like, you know what, that happened. Right. And it and it was valuable. Like okay. it, it did. That and it, happened. And it, and now that happened, what? And, and yeah, that happened. Now what? Like yeah. that that served a purpose. Right. So let's let's put that to use. And it's too probably too long a story to to tell you where this came from. But you know, I I had one of the superheroes in my life give me a gift once that. I think is super useful in the sort of rumination that you're talking about, Mm -hmm. where she said to me, you know, you're never really lost. You're just seeing different stuff. So I think that, and again, that, that's not saying, oh, sure, just wander off into the wilderness of your mind or otherwise anytime and, and just let that be the case. Mm -hmm. What I think is interesting is, you know, when you said, when you come back to yourself, like, so when you come back to yourself, stop and think, okay, well, what is it that I just got out of that that's of value? Right. And if the answer is, it just kept me from thinking about other stuff, that has value. Yeah, exactly. But if you interpret it, I mean, if you really do look at it, I think more often than not, you find that there is something else. There Mm -hmm. is something of more value that you can appreciate. Right. You know, so in the end, being your own superhero is about doing the best you can with what you have, being respectful of all of who you are and how you are in the world. Mm-hmm. And then in the end, deciding to be satisfied with it. Yeah. Like there was value in that because there is value in everything that we do. Even the stuff we don't like. There there was a time when I would get really hung up on like the apparent certainty of superheroes. Like they're mm. always so very certain. Like even, even when they're not, right. they're always doing the thing and they're always just like, all right, this is the thing we're doing. It's like, yeah. does that seem like a good idea? This is the thing we're doing. That's right. The, that's right. not the. You're asking the wrong question. Again, this is what's happening. It's neither good nor bad. Right. It's what we're doing. I mean, when I teach True Superhero Academy, that's exactly it. We start out with the fact that it's never certain. No. You know, every superhero is flawed. Every origin story has some catalyst for change within it. Right. That, by definition, is neither good nor bad. It, it, it just is the truth. This is the thing that we're doing in the moment, whether it's the right thing or not. Like, you know, I, I, I probably need to do some more reading about it, but the Rorschach character is so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to observe all of this stuff and hate it all and basically not do anything until I decide that I will. Yeah. And then there's, but there seems to be so little self-awareness in that process. Well, because... I, <sighs> And that's, but that's, that's, that's kind of tricky because like the, it kind of goes back to the, the difference between self-awareness and self-criticism. It's mm-hmm. like, it's, it's sort of the, like one of the baselines of the way superheroes interact with the world is that even when they're unsure, they act on their fundamental. Yes. Their, like their fundamental structure, their fundamental, yes. fundamental beliefs. Mm-hmm. And that the difference, I think that like when you look at Rorschach, 
he's acting on his fundamental beliefs at all times. Right. Even when everyone looks at him like like he's crazy because it's like, right. why didn't you could have just at any point you could have stepped in. This could, you mm-hmm. would have been very helpful. It's like, nope wasn't time that internal consistency yeah. again is success in and of itself as far as i'm concerned i right. don't like it i don't because that's not i, I wouldn't <laughs> that, want to live my life how, that way yeah it's not know? how i would do it right but. but but hey that internal consistency i respect right right so i i really do get that <laughs> <laughs> you know again it's about the the binary nature of good and bad versus you know people will ask me all the t- they'll they'll say all the time I don't know what to do mm. and my response is pick something even if it's not the exact right thing in the moment because you know perfection is the enemy of the good and especially when we're sort of you know ruminating in our own minds but but the idea of being paralyzed into inaction because you can't decide on something. I mean, like you're saying, I may not like the way Rorschach is, either his motivation or his behavior, but it's consistent. I have to respect that. Yeah. So then I don't look to him. Right. To be the one who's going to fix a thing. Exactly. Right. I'm, I'm going to go to a different superhero. Yeah. I, I respect his observation and I may may benefit from it at some point. You know, let's sit down for a cup of coffee and mm-hmm. talk about why you think the world is the way it is. But but in the end, you have you don't have to. You have the option to keep moving. Right. Every we get so caught up in the um, the details of everything mm-hmm. roaming around in our minds. Our brains really are like the TARDIS in so many ways, way bigger on the inside. So I'm a big fan of taking whatever that thing is and, and I'm, I'm physically sort of pulling something out of my forehead mm-hmm. and putting it into the palm of my hand. When you take something out of your mind and set it in front of you, which happens when you talk about it with other people, mm-hmm. when you write things down, when you observe an example outside of yourself, like watching a superhero movie about how someone would deal with something similar it by definition becomes smaller therefore to our sort of primate brains more manageable right right not that you need to take external stimulus as the arbiter of your choice making Mm -hmm. but it gives you more of a perspective yeah and when you can be internally consistent with whatever that either moral code or code of conduct whatever you want to call it and apply that to how you're observing the thing that's rolling around in your brain that's where i think you find the most success right for for me i so i've been trying i've been not trying i've been removing the phrase i don't know yeah from my lexicon a lot lately because a for me if I don't, if I actually don't know it, the answer isn't I don't know. It's I'm gonna find out. This um, is what I'm saying. And 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 when I catch myself saying I don't know, it's not that I don't know. It's that I know very very well what that is. I just don't want to look at it. I don't want to look like, at it. Or I don't like it. Like I don't like this. Yeah. I, like I'm uncomfortable. I don't want to look at it. Like that's mm-hmm. when. And I feel like it's a whole lot easier to a to own that and mm-hmm. b to not have that experience as much when you're able to externalize with that level of internal cons- consistency right like when you're when you're able to say look this is this is who i am in the world this is what i this is what i stand for and this is this is what i'm going to do about it mm-hmm. um then knowing that thing knowing whatever that thing is isn't as intimidating right and it's it's also and it's also a whole lot more in, in knowing it at all you have control over it and can move forward yeah 
Um, but it, it, it to, to a certain but it does it does require that you have that internal consistency, which right. takes looking. I mean, which does, which does take looking at, looking at the inconsistencies inside of our own right thought processes and sort of starting to iron, starting to navigate those and, and figure out what's what those pur- what purposes they serve and right. how to navigate them. And you you talked about certainty earlier, and I think. Um, the I don't know phenomenon, and, and I've worked with people that, that use that phrase like punctuation, right? I mean, it, it's a part of everything, and I believe that's learned. I mean, the phenomenon of learned helplessness is an actual thing, and there's also the phenomenon of learned language. You know, we just say things because we repeat them so often and don't have, you know, a better idea of different words to use. Mm-hmm. But, you know, that, that internal consistency, I think, in terms of knowing or not knowing things, how you're self-image and your internal consistency can work with that is recognizing that you can't always have every answer because we're always learning. There's, there's never a point in this life, unless you've got some, you know, massive neurological deficiency, you never stop having the option to learn or make new decisions. So if you could replace, I don't know with, I'm going to find out, it's a totally different relationship to power, right? Right. Like when you're talking about the certainty of superheroes, you know, part of that is because they've assessed their tools mm-hmm. and they know which of them work and which of them don't. You know, not being able to see through lead means that you make some different choices when lead is part of the, the equation, right? right? It's not that you become paralyzed and you stop acting on whatever the circumstance is in front of you. Mm-hmm. You just... Either get somebody else who, you know, I don't know, has a different tool that works in that circumstance, or you make a different choice. Right. And that again, that's neither good nor bad. And the, the idea of I don't know equaling I don't like what I'm seeing, which was really wise of you to bring up, it, that too then gets to be a choice point of saying, well, does my not liking this mean that I'm going to completely reject it? Or am I going to make some strategic decisions about, so what would it be like if this was totally okay and let me work towards that? Mm-hmm. But but being stuck in, I don't know, um, forgive me for, for a, a five-second rant here, based in the education system yeah. th- that does not inspire creative thinking, sure. right? If you don't have the exact right answer, then you're judged for that versus what I think is true is, again, pick something move towards it until you realize that you're running down a, a dark alley with a dead end and then laugh and say, oh, okay, that didn't work out. Let me go the other way versus having it mean something particularly negative. Right. You know, I, again, this is one of those phrases I wish was mine and it's totally not. You know, what would it be like if rather than making all the right decisions, you are willing to make all your decisions Right. Because the thing you did in that moment was the thing that you did, which brings me back to the thing about essential neutral. It's like, well, you could feel real bad about it or you could decide what you're going to do about it now, right? Yeah. It's not that it was a bad decision. It may be a decision that you wouldn't repeat, but that's totally different. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, it it brings me back to the, the relationship between Batman and the other characters in his life. Like, uh, you know, Jim Gordon being that moral compass um, and, and also someone who has a very specific uh, set of abilities and influences 
who who doesn't oh he they, i mean they're they're a good yin and yang kind of thing like mm-hmm. you know i'm the rich guy who's got all the tools and i'm also angry as anything and i'm i'm certain about the way the world's supposed to be and then this other moral character who's saying yeah it's not that i disagree with that but there is a system in place and maybe we could work together to make that happen i think having some of those um external i don't want to say mediators or limiters but but having those external uh sounding boards is really important for people Mm -hmm. if you're going to be expressing yourself as a superhero in your own life it's key to have those people that you can trust to talk through things with and to make sure that you're aware that everybody has an agenda yeah and the stuff that you're seeing reflected back to you is that constructive or do you maybe need to adjust right right because i mean at the end of the day what you nobody nobody is ever speaking from your position except for you like no one no one is like no matter how many times you sound things off of people there no matter how well someone knows you they're never talking at you from your perspective a hundred percent even people who've grown up in the exact same circumstance they still have different experiences you know my particular origin story is you know the stuff that terrible tragedies are framed around i mean the fact that i'm alive right now is pretty miraculous and when people learn that story they you know very often i'll get reflected back oh i got the blues but i don't got the blues like that in fact somebody literally said that term to me a while ago and my response was oh honey i'm fine (laughs) no trust me i came through that crucible certainly with things that i carry still Mm -hmm. but for the most part i'm okay you should not be too worried about that so when you're when you are getting reflections from other folks like you're saying you know everybody's thing is different again take what you need and leave the rest yeah you know, our relationship with truth, especially right now, is um, something I think that, that we each should take a look at. You know, in living in, in, I can't even believe this phrase has been coined, the post-fact world. Mm-hmm. Again, it comes back down to how am I going to interpret this in a way that has value to me? You know, talking to people on Facebook and in other environments, I am so done with people saying... I can't believe this is happening. Dude, believe it. It's totally right there in front of you. Yeah. So then your option is to not be undone by that, but to decide what you're going to do about it. And isn't that true in our everyday lives? You know, somebody looks at you cross-eyed or, or says something that is wounding. You get to decide what you're going to do with that. Will you be undone by it? Mm-hmm. Or will you think to yourself a couple of things that I think have value, which is like, what? It doesn't matter why the person said it. It matters how you decide to respond to it. Right. And I don't mean by, I can't believe you said that. Because they totally just said it. Yeah. Yeah. So then in what way can you use that in a constructive way? Right. Which is kind of, which is basically the point of being a superhero. Right. Like. How do you manage everything by getting the best that you can from it? Yeah. That's our episode. Hope you enjoyed it. You can find out more about Bonnie's work at bonnieking-taylor.com. Check out her program, True Superhero Academy, and download the Kryptonite Edition, 
at bonnieking-taylor.com slash true-superhero-academy. And check out her future search exercise at bonnieking-taylor slash future-search. You can find out more about True Superhero Academy and Bonnie's other work at applyingtoeverything.xyz slash guests. And find out more about the show at applyingtoeverything.xyz. As always, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. I'd like to thank Humble Fire for the use of our theme song, Mount St. Misery, off of The Great Resolve, available on iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you find new music. I'd also like to thank Chiara Scarcella for the design of our logo. Tune in next week for a follow-up conversation with Sebastian Johnson about social media, educated news, and taking care of each other. Talk to you then.